0: Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra micro diameter injection arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep 6 standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Burr.
1: Hi, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we've got the voice of one of the smartest men in archery. I kid you not, this guy is has an IQ approximately anywhere from 10 to the 5th power to 10 to the 10th power greater than mine. Mr. Bob Donahoe from Velocitip. Uh, actually, Full Flight Technologies is the company. Velocitip is... Uh, His flagship product, he's got a brand new product out called the UNO, and uh, we're going to talk about that today. If you have a sight on your bow, and I'm going to imagine that's pretty much all of you, you need to hear about UNO. Bob, thank you so much for being here with me today on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio.
0: Thanks, Christian. Thanks for the intro. Uh, Big number. You're starting to confuse even me in terms of that, but let's roll with it.
1: Well, you're a smart guy. I mean, let's face it. You're smarter than I am. You know, we could, I could try and deny it, but there'd be no point.
0: Uh, Well, you have a, your trophy case is bigger than mine, but I'm working on that. I got to work on that.
1: Well, you know, Bob, uh, I mean, just living where you do kind of like you get some IQ by osmosis up there. You're in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right?
0: Well, absolutely. You're right. It's not where you'd think uh, archery technology would come from, but we've managed to bridge that. So you're, like you're right. A lot of smart people up here.
1: You get your bow and you go over to Havid Yacht and like start launching arrows across the quad or what?
0: Not exactly. But we are we do have an archery festival. It's our second annual. It's outdoors in the middle of Kendall Square, which is really the technology hub in Cambridge and Boston. And we're going to have hundreds of people show up out of the scientific and professional community and startup community to try bows and arrows. And everyone's excited about
1: it. So you're basically spreading the love of archery to the liberal community there in Massachusetts.
0: You could say that.
1: You're doing the work of God, my friend. May may, <laughs> may, may all blessings and uh, goodness come upon you, as you know, and we have discussed in the past, I am a native New Englander, grew up in Rhode Island. I always say it's a beautiful part of the country, um, but the hunting just isn't that great, man. I'd be hard-pressed to... To have to uh, to move back there, you know, you better have a lot of frequent flyer miles because you gotta you gotta get get uh, away from the, the big cities to find a little more wide open spaces. But that's not the yep. why we're talking today. I want to talk about Uno. You you have a really exciting new product that Full Flight Technology has come out with. You've actually developed uh, a smartphone app that makes sighting in. Uh, or setting my pin gaps on a new site on my bow, like, so simple, even I can do it. Right, Bob?
0: Exactly. And we we launched Concept at the ATA in January, January, and it was very well received, and we've been spreading the word since. Um, Of course, anyone who's into archery, and again, the less experience you have, it's probably even greater. But... um, when you're into archery and you get that new piece of equipment and you're really excited, you're pumped up about it, a new bow, new sight. Well, now you've got to get out before you really even start practicing with it. You've got to sight, get the sight position, sight pins right and the sight position right. So in that kind of, depending on your level of experience can really, it can take some time and kind of rub the edge off and the excitement off of that new piece of archery gear. So we, we intend to address that with the, with the Uno.
1: Okay, so why do you call it the UNO?
0: Well, of course, as your listeners would know, if you go to sight in your bone, you have a multi-pin sight, for example, and you've got five pins and the first one set at 20 yards, and you can break it down to 30, 35, whatever your pin gaps are, out to 50, 60-plus yards, depending on your your rig and the number of pins you have in your sight. So you'd have to sight in at each distance. You start at 20, you get your pin position set by taking... A number of shots, you do the same at 35 or 30, and you work your way back to your longest distance. Well, with Uno, you sight in at 20 yards, you fix the pin location in the sight, and then enter some uh, detailed information about your rig, including bow speed and um, a couple of dimensions you would need. You need to have uh, peep to sight and peep to arrow at full draw, and that this, the app will deliver a scaled set of sight marks for all your other pins. You hold up the phone against the housing of the site. You line up that 20-yard mark in the phone with the pin, 20-yard pin, which you just sighted in in a matter of a few minutes. All your other uh, sight marks are there and you gap your other pins according to those sight marks.
1: So, okay, back up a second here, because again, yeah, I'm not as smart as you are. You said I have to put in some information to make this thing work. What was one piece of the information that I hear you right? You said, I got to put my arrow speed in there. Is that right?
0: Right. Okay. Right.
1: So I got to shoot through a chronograph and get my arrow speed out of the bow, right? Well,
0: that's one way to do it. Of course, we can use it. If you have access to a pro shop and we have more pro shops who have adopted uh, the Velocityp system this year and you can get to the pro shop, you can actually do, you can do better. You can get your bow speed and you can get your arrow drag. And with those two pieces of information, along with your um, the dimensions I mentioned, you can get a very precise set of sight marks. Alternatively, if you just chronograph it and have both speed, you can provide some specs on your arrow, that we can pro- provide a good set of sight marks that will get you on paper at distance.
1: So you can do it with or without drag. Is that right? That's an additional calculation right. that you can put in there?
0: It's an d- uh, additional value, so you can get a more precise result if you have it.
1: Gotcha. And just for folks who... Who may not have heard of the velocitip before? What Bob's referring to, uh, this velocitip ballistic system, is uh, it's basically a field point. It's what it looks like, uh, but inside of the field point that you just screw right onto the end of your arrow, he's got a bunch of electronics. He's got an accelerometer and some other goodies packed inside that field point. And when you shoot the arrow, that Velocitip actually measures all kinds of information about your Aeros flight as it's flying and as it impacts the target. And so you can then take that little field point, that Velocitip, it plugs into a docking station that links with your computer. And uh, it will tell you all those things that we just discussed and more so it'll tell you, you know, how fast your arrow was traveling when it left the bow, how fast it was traveling when it hit the target. It will tell you the trajectory of your arrow and actually plot that on a graph. It will tell you. What your kinetic energy was when it left the bow, what your kinetic energy was upon impact, your momentum, your drag, et cetera, et cetera. Probably a lot more things than that, Bob, but uh, suffice it to say that, uh, you know, a couple of shots from uh, the Velocitip gives you more than enough information to plug into the Uno app.
0: Exactly. We're looking at three or four shots at 20 yards. You can do that indoors at the pro shop. And you'll have the ballistic data you need to get a very accurate set of sight marks.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too, you know, when I think about, um, you know, sighting in, of course, being in the industry, I set up quite a few bows every year. And other people who are listening, you know, if you're an experienced bow hunter and you've been at this for a while, I imagine that, uh, like me, uh, you can get a new bow throw a sight on there right out of the package I can get a pretty good idea Bob of what my pin gaps are going to be what I mean by that is once I get that 20 yard pin sighted I can basically eyeball it for 30 40 50 60 and be close But of course, again, you know, every bow and arrow combination is going to be slightly different. And what the UNO is going to give me that I'm not going to get myself without a lot of trial and error is that level of precision, you know, right from the outset. And obviously the reason for that is some, again, back to your intelligence, the, formula calculations that are going on in the background here that are providing that precision that otherwise would take, you know, hundreds of shots to fine-tune all those pins.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, and, so it's, well, and it, it, you know, if you're an elite-level shooter, you can get there pretty quickly. For the rest of us, it's a, it's a considerable amount of time, especially when you get at distance.
1: Right, right. Because... um you know, if you can't hold, uh, you know, if you're shooting an eight-inch group at 60 yards, that's really difficult to tell how much of that variation is your own flaw and how much is possibly the ability or the need to, you know, make a slight adjustment in that that pin height. So, so you're
0: absolutely absolutely correct on that. That's exactly what we're trying to get at. Let's eliminate the the trial and error, the human error, and say, okay, we can present a scaled set of sight marks and accurate pin locations. Now you just have to work on your form and your technique. And if you're hitting the bullseye, it's because of that. And we know the pin, we can eliminate the variable from um, pin height.
1: So, you know, without getting your chalkboard out and showing me lots of signs and cosines and all that, give me a layman's understanding of what exactly this app is doing with the information that I plug in to to make these reference marks on the screen?
0: So that, like you suggest, there's a lot of physics behind it, but in short, we need to understand the launch angle that you, at, with your bow setup, you need to um, use to hit the bullseye at a particular distance. And that's why we need some of the dimensional information um, regarding the peep relative to the position of the peep site. And that's why, and then once, with that physical, those physical dimensions, then the next element is, okay, what's the ballistic performance of your arrow in flight? And I like to talk to people who have a background in rifles. With archery, we all use a hand load, basically, in that we can adjust draw weight. So you and I could be shooting 29 inches, but one of us could shoot a heavier draw weight. One of us could shoot a different shaft. One of us could, we could shoot the same shaft and fletch them different, whether it's helical um, straight, offset, et cetera, or different material, feathers, veins, and so on. So, all that goes into the ballistic performance of the arrow once it leaves the bow, as well as the bow tune. So, that's why we need ballistic information. And again, launch speed is a good place to start, but with the velocity tip, we can do more because we can, for the first time now, measure the ballistic performance in flight. And so, the uh, algorithm uses that information, including the dimensions that we mentioned. And then the ballistic performance and crunches and numbers to deliver the sight marks.
1: And talk to me, I kind of got away from this. We talked about the need to put in the velocity, of the arrow, and the drag, ideally. And then you said those two other measurements. One was um, the distance from the peep sight to the arrow. Are you talking about the the vertical distance between yes. my knocking, my center shot, and where my peep sight is and my string?
0: That's right. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah.
1: And then and then, what was the, the third one?
0: And then there's peep sight, the distance from the peep sight to your bow sight.
1: Oh, okay. So that's the horizontal distance. Right. Gotcha. Right. Now, that's not impacted at all. You know, let's talk about this from a technical standpoint for a second, Bob. Let's say I've got a bow that has a 35-inch axle-to-axle measurement, and I've got another bow that's got a 28-inch axle-to-axle measurement. So I've got a 7-inch difference there. Now, obviously, the, the uh, angle, okay, at full draw, the string angle at full draw on the shorter bow is going to be much more acute than it will be on the 35-inch bow. Does that right. does that not come into play and in how the app uh, calculates the um site marks? Only to
0: the only to the extent that you it affects the PEEP uh, position. And if
1: you gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So it, so in other words, the because the the height of my peep is likely to be different on those two bows that when I enter that value, it's kind of automatically compensating for the differences in, in string angle.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You, you will account for that when you take your dimensions.
1: Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's good to know. Cause that, that's something that's kind of jumped out at me as I was thinking about it. I was thinking sure. that, uh, yeah, that that's a variable, but I guess that's accounted for in, in peep angle. So, So the UNO was, like you said, you kind of had it initially uh, out there for for public review at the ATA show. Now we are halfway through the year. It's middle of June. Where is UNO now? Is that something that is available? Can I get on the App Store uh, and download it to my phone today?
0: Well, not just yet. So we've done a lot of the back-end work, including the testing the trajectory algorithm and doing some of the uh, front-end work for the interface on the on the app. Um, but today, what we've done, in fact, we launched this in the 1st of June, well, is to um, crowdfund to get backers who want to pre-order the UNO. And we expect to deliver late summer, uh, the first editions of the UNO. And um, I don't know if you know anything about crowdfunding, but we're using a site called Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is probably the most well-known the whole crowdfunding platform is basically a way for people to support projects, um, to see them come to life. And it was started, I want to say, in the music and book writing, artist communities, and has really spread to technology in a huge way. And so we've, we're in the middle of our crowdfunding campaign. It runs till uh, July 24th, and we've made some good progress for almost a third of the way to our goal. It is in, on Kickstarter, all or nothing, either we... Uh, hit our goal, we're, we're looking to uh, raise $25,000, and if we hit our goal, the people who back us will get, again, they'll pre-order the app, and they'll get something more, and it's it's listed on the site, um, but we get that those funds to uh, move forward with our development team. And if we don't hit our goal, no one's charged, and we do not we do not receive those funds. No one will just have to go to plan B. But right now, um, we're doing pretty well, and um, we've had a lot of archers sign up for some of the packages we can talk about that that might be of interest.
1: So you're trying to raise $25,000 and you're about halfway there. So if I go on Kickstarter right after we get off the phone today and put my credit card number in and sign up to give you a $5,000 funding, I'm not charged unless you hit your goal. My card's not charged.
0: That's right. And that's a technical point. It's actually, uh, Kickstarter is now part of Amazon, so you, they process all payments through uh, Amazon's payment processing. And again, but it doesn't happen unless we meet goal.
1: Gotcha. So if you meet or exceed $25,000, then uh, what is going to happen?
0: Then we're going to be able to uh, push this to push this out as planned.
1: Okay. The so- app,
0: push the app out as planned, yep.
1: And so how then, obviously, uh, what you're saying is anyone who uh, makes a donation during this crowdfunding period, at the conclusion of that, if you reach your goal, each one of those donors will be entitled to a a copy of the app for their smartphone. Is that right?
0: Right. And that's um, the, you can contribute whatever level you want, including a dollar, but Anyone who contributes $10 or more, backs it at the level of $10 or more, will get the app. But you also, because you're pre-ordering and you're really backing us at this stage, you get something more. We have some fun archery gear, whether it's T-shirts, bumper stickers. We also have um, probably one of the most popular selections right now, a limited number of people. We want, we, we want to work with the archers who are interested in the technology. And so we're looking to add some really product testers. And so at one level, if you provide, if you back us at $100, not only do you receive the UNO app, but you also get a chance to, uh, for a do-it-yourself bow test with a Velocitip, and you'll be on the beta team um, to help us really develop the best user experience we can. And the only way for us to do that is to bring in people who are interested in seeing the technology move forward.
1: How much to be on the alpha team? Because the B team's all right, but I always wanted to be on the A team.
0: Well, we can get you on there, Christian.
1: $1,000? Well,
0: well, we can get you. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. And it, we, it,
1: are are, are the rumors true that if you're successful in crowdfunding the Uno app, that your next attempt is going to be to crowdfund your Himalayan safari for uh, mountain goats and things like that? You no, know, if I if I crowdfund a hunt like that, I'll have to send you. I
0: don't have time to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is pretty cool. Uh, what is your expectation? I don't have any doubt that after your appearance on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, that you're going to. Literally blow past the twenty five thousand dollar goal, so that's that's sort of a non issue at this point, Bob. I mean, it's we're counting the, on that. Yes. It's kind of all over, but the but the counting. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm with you. Yes. So so that being as it is, um, what is your expectation after this uh, funding process for the availability of the app and how much it might cost and that sort of thing?
0: So the app um, will be, you know, we focused initially, and in the, the crowdfunding, when you go to it, it'll say iPhone app, and we were advised by some of the developers we talked to to start there. I do think what we want to be able to deliver is the app for iPhone and for Android. Of course, Android is the world's most popular operating system. Um, there's, And so we want to deliver that, and so that's going to be one of our stretch goals. So let's say we move straight, uh, straight ahead, like you're saying, we want to also deliver that. I think timing, we're looking at probably September 1. Um, we do have ongoing work, and we are looking at uh, actually meeting with someone to work with us on the Android on uh, a preliminary basis. But uh, our hope is to deliver both iPhone and Android by late summer.
1: Cool. And you think uh, yeah. now you can't charge you can't charge less than 10 bucks for this thing after it comes out on the app stores or else you'll make you'll make all the people who crowdfunded you mad, right?
0: Well, our thinking is actually it's going to be a nine ninety nine or less. And we haven't decided. But again, the people who crowdfund will get something in, in addition because they're backing us at the States.
1: OK, so they, get, all- they get the special privileges.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, and it's all laid out in the, on the uh, Kickstarter campaign. Um, in terms, and our our top award, and this we thought it was pretty cool to get this on Kickstarter. So our top award, and you mentioned, okay, if you contribute five thousand dollars, what 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 happens? Well, you can you'll get a two day spring uh, bow hunt for wild turkey, eastern wild turkey. You have to be licensed in New York, Connecticut, or Mass, and you know. There are challenges, as you mentioned, in the Northeast, but we have access to property. Our team does, and we'll get you out there to chase gobblers in the spring with the bow. And we also upgraded it now. So, in addition, we have a fall turkey hunt with dogs, and that's part of one package. And uh, we we're my point is, we were excited to get that on the Kickstarter platform, to get bow hunting out there.
1: Cool, yeah. It's very cool. I just found your page, by the way. For those right. who are listening... Um. Just go to Kickstarter.com, and then up at the top of the page there was a there's a spot to search for projects, and I just put in I put in Full Flight. I bet you you could do the same thing just by putting in Uno, couldn't you?
0: Absolutely, and you'll they'll, your listeners will recognize our project immediately from any others that might be called Uno because there's a post I'd staring at you.
1: Yep, I've got it here, and I see that as of now. You've got 71 backers, you've got almost $8,000 raised, and um, 35 days left to get right. the rest of the cash. Right. Awesome.
0: So, yeah, so we're making progress, um, and it's great. It's great.
1: Bob, tell me a little bit about your your background. I mean, you've developed all this whiz-bang stuff uh, for archery, and between the Tip system, which... Uh, you know we certainly use a lot here at at Peterson's Bowhunting and I thank you for making that available to John Silks our gear testing editor because it's added an awful lot to what we're able to do with uh, technical testing of archery equipment and now the UNO app which is going to be you know something that any any archer from a You know, a recreational target shooter to a serious bow hunter can certainly make use of, um, you know, and for 10 bucks is is, uh, at a price point that, you know, should appeal to the masses. Um, You're not really the typical bow guy. I mean, what uh, what is your educational and professional background and how did you wake up one day and decide I'm going to take this, uh, you know, all this knowledge I have and apply it to the archery arena?
0: Sure. That's um. Again, Cambridge isn't the place you think about when you think of archery. But you know, I grew up in, uh, and I'm going to give you a, maybe the long version. But in terms of my hunting background, I grew up hunting southern uh, New England with a gun, and about 20 years ago, picked up the bow. And this was at the point where compound bows have really had really come along, and they've come along even more since then. But you could, you know, with some limited amount of practice, uh, you could shoot very accurately. Um, relatively quickly, and so once I picked up the bow, that was it. I was I was hooked on archery and bow hunting. That's kind of changed, shifted my focus in terms of the seasons I get out and chase deer and turkey, etc. in the Northeast. Um, and from the, from the technology standpoint side, uh, I have an engineering degree; it's a bachelor's degree from University Northeastern here in Boston. Um, I also have a law degree, and that was after 13 years in engineering, decided I was working at a large corporation, and if I didn't make a change, I'd be another 15 years out, and I'd be, um, have a bullseye on my back, so to speak, because of the w- manner in which um, workplaces might uh, treat um, senior-level engineers. So I made the change, but I, in it, when I, after I did that, I got some insight into the, um, more, even more in different technology and sensing technology. Um, in particular MEMS accelerometers. And that's a small uh, device, tiny in our, in the velocity, It's three by three millimeters. And it operates in principle like a seesaw in that as the forces change, there's a deflection of an element, electronic element in the accelerometer, and it changes an electrical signal. And so that's how we can measure uh, changes in um, drag, in, in our case, but even to put it more um, you know, more common understanding, when you rotate your smartphone from one at, from 90 degrees, it's an accelerometer that gives the smartphone the awareness to know that it's not vertical anymore and it has to change your screen to a landscape view instead of portrait, portrait or you know sideways instead of vertical. Um, so that technology, I was aware of it, and I don't know what when it came to me exactly, but it's maybe a lot of time on the deer stand. But at some point, I thought you know. Today, we're paper tuning, and there's got to be a better way with technology than shooting through a sheet of paper and looking at your care pattern. Uh, again, not that that's not effective in the right hand. I just felt like if we can deliver quantified information to the end user and provide them with information they could use to tune, then that's a huge improvement and a huge benefit. And that's what motivated us to develop the Velocity that way back. Now, um, we started work many years ago and launched it in 2011.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it's really generated quite a bit of uh positive feedback in the industry. Uh why don't you talk a little bit? You know, I had already mentioned what you know, the fact that we use the Velocitip uh for, you know, our broadhead testing, the uh the aerovane testing that we just recently did, but there's lots of manufacturers and other uh, media outlets who are taking advantage of the VelociTip system.
0: There, there sure are, and that's because for the first time now, there are really two key measurements that you couldn't get, especially at distance. And one of those is drag, and that was, there was no way to directly measure drag, which is how quickly the arrow slows down, and is a good indicator of flight stability or efficiency in flight of your arrow. Um, there was no way to do that, and now we can directly measure it. So that's a huge uh, game changer. And the other thing that we can deliver with the velocitip that was no, there was really no way to effectively do it previously, including tens of thousands of dollars of high-speed video can't give you time of flight for shots at any distance. And so now we can do, deliver time of flight very precisely, and we're talking on um, you know tenths of millise- or milliseconds um, of flight. And give you a sense for okay, what's the flattest shooting setup that you can you can um, get your bow um, adjusted for, or match arrow and bow to deliver the best arrow flight and deliver the arrow uh, with a flat shooting trajectory. Out of, you know again, it may, it may not even be replacing the bow. It's how what can I what can I get out of my existing bow in terms of performance? And mm-hmm. so those performance metrics are um, they're new. And so we've got editors that test bows. With the technology of course john's taking great advantage of it with measuring the aerodynamic performance of different broadheads and different fletching and I, I always read those articles with interest every month
1: well this is your opportunity to name some names too if you can i mean just uh, just to show the you know the acceptance of the Velocity Tip. i mean who are some of the other folks out there that are using this and uh helping, you know, basically you're indirectly helping to make uh, bow hunting better because you're helping people, you know, refine product that we're all buying at, uh, you know, the local uh, archery shop.
0: Right. So fair enough. I thank you. Um, Outdoor Life was one of the people who helped put us on our map on the map with the introduction in their bow test. It was back in 2012 for the first time. And that's been a great um, partnership. And they did a lot to introduced some metrics to the industry, including kinetic energy delivered uh, 20 yards downrange as a performance metric that they provide in their annual bow review and also uh, arrow drop at 40 yards. And so you get a sense for what is what is the ballistic performance between bow A and bow B, and they're all equipped with the same shaft. So they've been a, a great help in uh, raising awareness. We've worked with uh, Field and Stream, done some very cool um, Shaft aero shaft testing uh, within the past thirty days, and that will publish I think later this summer. Um, bow hunting world also is uh, using the velocity tip to deliver kinetic downrange kinetic energy numbers measured kinetic energy um, on their bow their bow tests. So, so those
1: are a few. Gotcha, and uh, and you've had quite a few. Um archery manufacturers uh using this to to basically evaluate product and performance as well right
0: that's correct we've got uh customers who are bow manufacturers um aero manufacturers and um accessories like broadhead we've got an order recently from a broadhead manufacturer who wants to they want to be able to understand improve their design and one of the reasons probably they've done that they didn't say this but is the work that John has done in um, making people aware how broadhead design affects aerial flight.
1: Oh yeah, and and you know what the neat thing from a practical standpoint. I mean, this is all very high tech, but when the rubber meets the road, um, you know, just as an example in the in the pieces that we just published on the vein testing, the two part series where we did the the one piece vein units the first month and then the individual vein models uh, in the July issue. Um, the conventional wisdom, you know, when you look at a helical versus an offset versus a straight, um, physics says that a helical vein orientation is going to create more drag than, say, a straight vein. Now, and that's true. Mm-hmm. But to actually have numbers to go with that, it, it was very yes. revealing, and here's why. I actually want to pull this off my shelf, and let's just have a little bit of a, a geeky discussion here for a minute, if you'll humor me to do that. I'm um, looking
0: for my copy, too. <laughs>
1: um, we basically tested these control arrows using the Velocitip, and we looked at um, basically what these were were just generic two inch veins that you'd find on any number of pre fletched factory fletched arrows that you'd buy at the local pro shop so these were they weren't boning blazers but they essentially are very similar to a boning blazer just a two inch plastic vein and we fletched these Uh, same veins onto the same shafts. For for this test, we used Beeman ICS Hunter Patriot Arrows. And we fletched an arrow with straight veins. We fletched an arrow with a two-degree right offset. And we fletched an arrow with a three-degree right helical. And then we shot all these arrows out of the same bow, out of our X-ring shooting machine, equipped with the tip, and we measured the drag, the retained energy, and the spin rate. The spin rate we actually tested with a spin tester, uh, a special machine we have that blows air over the aeroshaft and uh, measures the rate of spin. But anyway, so if you look at the spin rate, it all makes sense. Okay, The straight veins only produced uh, a very... M- Small amount of spin, ten RPMs. Yep. The, the two degree right offset, one hundred and sixty-eight RPMs, and the three degree right helical, five hundred and eighty-three RPMs. So you can see, as you look over to the the drag. I'm looking at the
0: information. Yes, on page fifty-two. Excuse me.
1: Yeah, page fifty-two of the July issue. But okay, so that all <coughs> makes that all makes perfect sense because you know that the helical veins are going to grab more air, okay, for lack of a better word. That's drag because they're twisted and they're twisting sideways. So as that arrow flies through the air, there's a lot more surface area of the helical vein exposed than there is of the two-degree right offset. And the two-degree right offset has more surface area exposed than the straight vein. And so it just makes perfect sense. The straight is going to spin the least. The two degree offset is going to spin moderately more. And the helical is going to spin, you know, more than twice as much as the offset does. And so that drag, that ability to grab air, if you will, in flight, is what allows the helical vanes to stabilize the air of flight faster but also that drag obviously results in uh, that arrow slowing down more quickly than an arrow with uh, a, an offset or a straight orientation. However, when I when you look at this, the numbers on retained energy and drag, they don't, follow that same correlation and this actually almost begs the question of further testing because when you look at those spin rates you would also expect that while the arrows with the straight veins and the offset veins may not stabilize as quickly you would expect them to have less drag and more retained energy and that does hold true for the offset but when you look at the straight vein the straight vein actually only retained two-tenths of a percent more energy than the helical and it had almost the same amount of drag it actually had more drag and retained less energy than the offset veins did and that wouldn't seem to make sense bob from a, well, like, I, from a logic standpoint right
0: I think I think what you, I think it the per, the conclusion you offered that it begs more testing I think is a good a good one what you may be seeing here is the helical or the higher drag gives you the um, gives you a better angle of attack
1: exactly and well that, two things a <laughs> I think there's a couple of theories in play here. One is what you just said—that the helical veins stabilize the arrow more quickly, so that you're getting an impact on a on a, a better a more parallel angle. In other words, if that if that vein that or that arrow that shot with straight veins may be still fluttering a bit as it impacts the target, and therefore you're not driving quite as much energy directly in as you might be sideways and
0: and even at 45 yards at that point they may all have close to the same angle of attack but it's taken the straight uh, vein a lot longer to put the arrow in the best orientation
1: and so you lose that energy along the way of that wobbling right and another thing and i actually saw this i give credit where credit is due, I was actually looking at some discussion on archery talk uh, of this project. And there was some discussion of that chart. And one guy theorized, and I think this would be really interesting to look at with high-speed photography, is that perhaps the reason for this data is that those straight veins, because they are straight, and they're therefore they're not imparted with any predisposition to twist mm-hmm. or spin mm-hmm. one way or the other that you could actually get a little bit of fluttering And so that if you have one vein that flutters to the left just a hair and another vein that flutters to the right just a hair, you now actually have two veins working against one another. And rather than stabilizing the arrow, they could actually destabilize the arrow just enough to cause that fraction of a percent of energy loss that results in these numbers. That's
0: interesting. um, I'm glad you pointed, pointed this out. Because um, I've looked at it and given it some thought, as you probably can tell, and that's that's another good um, potential, uh, you know, data uh, data point or um, point of trying to understand what we're seeing here.
1: Yeah. So anyway, we got down a pretty good rabbit trail there. The people among our listeners who are extremely technically oriented, maybe appreciated that for the rest of you. Thank you for bearing (laughs) with us. But these are the kinds of things that, again, you know, I always sort of joke that here at Peterson's Bowhunting, you know, yeah, we're passionate, avid bowhunters, but we're also archery geeks too. And I say that, you know, I consider it a compliment. I would certainly call you an archery geek, Bob, and I hope you consider that a compliment. Um, Absolutely. So, again, when you, we go into these tests, you know, we try not to have preconceived notions, but certainly we're all aware of what the conventional wisdom is or what the generally accepted beliefs are. And so when we get data that doesn't necessarily back that up. um, It's interesting and it makes us want to explore more. And in the case, if you actually correlate this flight data that we just discussed with the group size data, that is also part of that it just it further strengthens my belief that you really don't want to shoot a straight vein on your arrow because a, the flight data clearly shows that it, it offers you no advantage whatsoever uh, in terms of drag and retained energy, and the group size shows you that it also clearly offers you no advantage in accuracy versus offset or helical vanes. In
0: fact,
1: it's a disadvantage. <laughs> well, exactly. Relatively speaking, yeah. it's the poorest. Yeah. It's the poorest choice of the three orientations that we that we measured. So. Uh-huh. And it's
0: nice to be able to quantify it. Even whether whether you use the velocity to get flight data or you provide the, the plot that you do or the, the bullseye that shows the various group sizes, it's 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 very easy to understand and suddenly it doesn't there's no the mystery's gone.
1: Which oh, is great. Exactly. And the nice thing about being able to shoot using the X ring machine is you're taking all the human factor out of it. So again, you know, just as we discussed with the Uno app offering a level of precision that allows us to set those pin gaps. And we're not we're not just shooting groups offhand and then we're scratching our heads, wondering, you know, if the variation that we're seeing in our impact point is a result of our own inadequacies or the fact that the pin isn't in the right spot. Same thing here with by putting the bow in that X-ring machine and shooting it out of that, we're eliminating that human factor. And now we're able to say, OK, we're shooting essentially the same exact shafts uh, out of the same bow, out of the same machine. The only variable here is a different fletching orientation. And we can see that at 45 yards with the helical veins, we're able to make one inch groups at 45 yards. Whereas with a straight vein, we're at three and three quarters. So you have almost four times uh, larger group at 45 yards with a straight vein versus a helical, and the offset, of course, the two-degree offset falling, you know, basically halfway in between at two and three-eighths inches. So, again, conventional wisdom sort of backed up by that, but like you said, it's one thing to say, well, helical's more accurate, it's another thing to actually have that chart and show the data and be able to say it with some, uh, you know, definitiveness.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that's great. I, I, I love it. Like I said, I look, I look forward to the articles to take a look at what you guys have uh, come up with a uh, month by month in terms of the uh, the latest equipment tests because they do provide insight, valuable insight. That's great.
1: Well, you know, and our only complaint is that John Soaks is only one guy, and it takes. It takes a considerable amount of time and effort for him to do each one of these, and we'd like to do more, but the problem is, and I'm sure you find this uh, working at Full Flight, it's so easy to come up with an idea for something you'd like to look at, or a problem you'd like to solve, or a, a piece of information that you'd like to un- reveal, and the idea seems so simple but when you go to actually sit down with pen and paper or keyboard and map out exactly how you're going to get from concept to reality it always becomes far more complicated and time consuming than it seemed at the outset and i uh, it just oh, yeah. yeah and then it's a learning process along the way and and the
0: testing alone once you lay it all out there's time to execute the testing. and we often get calls and uh, people ask us about this t- you know, what have you done here and this type of testing or what have you seen there? And really, we spend so much time on the back end with the technology. the most valuable insights we get is working with the field editor- editors like John. because that's when we're putting it into practice. We don't spend a lot of time comparing one thing versus another on our own. We've spent a lot more time getting the technology to uh, deliver what the uh, archery consumer wants.
1: Absolutely. Well, there's never been a better time to be an archer than there is now, I mean, in terms of technology, because these tools, uh, what do you think Fred Bear would have done with the Velocityp system?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was was deadly enough without
1: it. He probably wouldn't even use one, you know?
0: Well, no, no, some of our, our most the most early adopters are tra- traditional archers, and I think it's because they ha- they've they put more time into thinking about AeroFlight, and we've, we found that. And, and, you know, coming from a compound background, I was surprised that some of our earliest adopters have been um, traditional archers, which is kind of cool.
1: Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm excited about uh, what we've been able to do with the Velocitip system. Uh, I'm excited about uh, the the practicality of what you're bringing to market here with the uno smartphone app and i can't wait to see what bob donahoe and full flight technologies uh comes up with next
0: it's all all about trying to deliver something of value to to the archer and that's so we can shoot better and shoot more accurately so that's what we're we're always thinking about
1: well um really appreciate you being here today um, again, for those of you who listen to today's show, there aren't that many guys like Bob doing this kind of stuff with high-tech uh, archery applications. So go ahead and get on Kickstarter.com, consider throwing ten bucks or more his way, and let's keep this kind of innovation going. Uh, in the archery community because long-term our sport is going to benefit and we're all going to benefit and if you want to learn more about bob and full flight technology you want to go to velocitip v-e-l-o-c-i-t-i-p dot com bob i will give you the last word sir
0: no i just want to thank you and uh i appreciate the time and chance to really engage with your listeners if they have questions, of course, they can, from that website, email us um, or contact us through the Kickstarter site as well. So, look forward to hearing from people and uh, really trying to build build that community.
1: All right, Bob, best of luck to you, man. Please keep us uh, informed on what you got going.
0: Yeah, thanks much, Kristen.
1: All right, take care.
0: You too. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.